So the last time I spoke, I spoke on trying to reflect godliness in our speech. Um, and a couple months prior to that, I spoke on reflecting godliness in our money. Um, so it's been a little scattered as far as the time that we've talked about this idea of reflecting godliness in various ways in our lives as Christians. But this morning I want to continue that. Um, and I want to talk about reflecting godliness in our media. Um, and what I mean by that is in our movies, in our music, um, in the books that we read, any type of media that you could consider in your life, because we certainly consume a lot of it, um, trying to reflect an attitude of godliness um, in those decisions and in those things we take part in. Uh, I would like to say this before I start. Um, most of the points in this lesson I've actually taken from a, someone else I heard do this lesson. Um, when I was... I think it was right when my college career was ending. I heard someone present a lesson along these ideas, and it influenced me very greatly. And so the lesson has stuck with me for a long time. And so I thought, hey, why not repeat it? It helped me a lot. I talked to the guy. I'm friends with him, and he said, sure, go ahead, repeat it. So I'm going to repeat most of the points that he made, but I think they're great points, one of the best lessons I've ever heard on it. With that said, I would like to say this. Um, I was just looking into this, and apparently adults, and I think all of us in this room, we consider ourselves on various stage of being adult in adulthood, we expose ourselves to screens, that is TVs, cell phones, computers, etc., for eight and a half hours a day, on average. Um, you know, that's, and I assume that's, if I remember the statistic correctly, that was for Americans. But I would imagine that that statistic, at least in the Western world, holds true. Um, holds as an average, and you think about all the time you stare at a screen of some sort, whether it's reading a book on an iPad or a Kindle or something, or it's watching YouTube, or it's listening to music, or surfing news articles on the internet, or checking out what your friends are Instagramming or Facebooking or whatever. We're spending a lot of time consuming something, right? And in the years past, when it wasn't screens, it was maybe movies or books, or there's always some sort of media, whether it presents itself in a new way or not. There's always some sort of media that we're participating in and we're taking in in our lives. So I think this is something that's near and dear to all of our hearts, whether we're avid book readers or movie watchers or music listeners or playgoers or concert goers, whatever our thing is, this affects us some way or another. Um, so the question is. Is it something we need to even think about? Is it something we can approach flippantly without kind of any regard? Or is it something that we need to give careful consideration to when we approach books and music and the sort? Well, I would suggest to you that while there's no verse in the Bible that says, be careful which MP3s you download or what movies you go and watch at the movie theater, there are plenty of verses that talk about media and its impact in our lives and the care that we need to have regarding that. And so I would suggest to you that it is something we need to be careful of. And not just do I mean careful and be wary of, but to have care about. Um, and in this lesson, there's really three things that I think we're going to approach in this idea of reflecting godliness in our medias. And I think that is the three kind of lies we tell ourselves 
when we say it doesn't really matter, right? The first lie is we tell ourselves that it won't affect us. You know, it's just a movie, it's just a book, it's just music. It's, you know, I can filter that stuff in and out. You know, I have control over that. And so if it's bad per se, I can just ignore those parts and I can get the story or I can get the message or whatever. I can get the entertainment value out of it and leave the rest behind. You know, whatever lie we tell ourselves, that basically amounts to it's not going to affect me, right? The second lie is that it's not that bad. Right? There's some measure of badness that it has to reach for me to say, okay, that, that's too bad, I'm not going to handle I can't do that. So that's the second lie. And the third lie is we don't, or not really a lie, but issue, is we don't see fundamentally what's at work. We say, oh, it's just a movie, or it's, oh, it's just music, or oh, it's just a play, or oh, whatever. But we're not really seeing the underlying issue or import of that thing. And so those are the three things that I want to tackle kind of going through this lesson in that order as we talk about this from a biblical perspective. All right. So the first lie that we tell ourselves is that it won't affect us. And what I mean by us is you or me. It's not going to affect me. I think the first thing that we need to realize about this is we're answering that, that lie or we're prefacing that lie with the assumption that it's subjective, that its effect is subjective to who I am or who you are. Um, and I believe the Bible doesn't talk about it that way. It doesn't present it that way. It's, in fact, it's objective. Things affect us, positively or negatively. There is no neutral effect. Scripture talks about that in plenty of places. And so I think that's the first lie that we tell ourselves. Our premise is completely off. It's not subjective. It needs to be something we think about objectively. Um, is this going to affect me positively or negatively? Um, okay, so with that stated, um, we, maybe we start to see kind of the arrogance involved in that. To say something won't affect me is in fact calling God a liar in a way because he says things do affect you. Um, in fact, you know, we might think of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, that we often sum up as saying, um, take heed lest you fall. He who thinks he stand, take heed lest you fall. I mean, that's kind of what comes to mind when we think about this as being an issue of pride, right? It's not going to affect me. Well, I would say consider that verse, but I would also say consider that God says it does affect you one way or another, so it's... Now you versus God in this matter. Um, if you would, turn to Matthew 6, and I think this illustrates, illustrates the concept of calling God a liar on this issue, because if we say something doesn't affect us, God has stated that things do affect us. Matthew chapter 6, if you would, turn with me to verse 22 of Matthew chapter 6, and it says, the eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? So Jesus is saying that the things that you take into your life, and he's using the eye as the illustration of things coming in and out, right, affects who you are on the inside. If you're taking in a bunch of light, then on the inside you're going to be full of light, right? 
But in this illustration, he says, if you take in a bunch of darkness, how great is the darkness within? And so to say, it's not going to affect me, is to essentially call Jesus a liar. Um, and so I think that's something we really need to understand. And I, I, it's boiled down to those simple terms, not to offend anyone, but just to pull away all of the mess that we try to say and see it for what it really is. One, it's not subjective. It's objective. That's arrogance to say it's not going to affect you. And two, it's calling Jesus a liar. To say something will not affect you positively or negatively when Jesus says everything affects us positively or negatively. All right. God, in fact, even illustrates this by using media to affect us. Perhaps the most effective media in the history of man is a book. God's word has been recorded for us in the form of media, right? As a book. We read that book and the effect is supposed to be a change in our lives, right? Or a rejection of that. But there's always an effect, right? It's either positive or negative. God also talks in Colossians chapter 3 about another form of media that we might be familiar with this passage. We probably can at least paraphrase it in our heads as we go to Colossians chapter 3, but I'll just read it. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Again, that speaks of the word and its effect, but it also speaks of songs and how they can affect us, right? We sing songs, and it says in this verse that we sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts. God uses media. He uses the word. He uses songs to affect us in different ways. You know, when we consider the Old Testament and the history of the Israelite people and this kind of their story, right? There's, there's a history of Israel saying things wouldn't affect them when God said they would. And their arrogance led them to say, no, 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 no. That's not going to affect me. And they participated or didn't participate in something that they should have. And it had a negative ramification in it. I mean, you can think about the Israelites' um, pursuit of foreign women, right? As a nation, God said, don't do that. Primarily because of an idolatry issue, right? It seems as if God was really concerned with keeping them purely devoted to him, and the other nations were all about their idols and their false gods. And he knew if they mingled with them, some of them would turn to that. But they said, oh, you know, you can imagine the Israelite men saying, oh, that's not going to affect me. I'll never turn from God. But this lady, she really has my heart. I really want to pursue her, pursue a relationship, make her my wife. And lo and behold, over time, where did the nation go? We think about... Um, you know, various other issues that Israel probably thought on some level, if we can um, imply these things, that it wouldn't affect them, right? Again, I think we need to learn the lesson not only of history from Israel, but the lessons from Jesus, the lesson from God. That media does affect us. It's not subjective. It's not up to us to let it affect us or not. It does affect us. 
And to refuse to understand that or to believe that is to call Jesus a liar himself. So I think that imports to us the necessity to take it seriously and be very careful with the kinds of things that we let into our lives. The next thing is that we tell ourselves it's not that bad. Well, the kind of underlying problem with this is it's not for our discernment. right? Um, as is the, the first point, that it won't affect me, and how that's not really a subjective thing. God has objectively said, media affects us one way or the other. Just as God, with this point, is saying, this isn't for your discernment. Something isn't bad or good because you deem it so. Um, something is bad or good when God deems it bad or good, right? Now, you might be saying, oh, well, God hasn't said that my favorite recording artist, my favorite musician is bad. That's true. He hasn't. He hasn't said that your favorite movie or the movie you want to see is bad or good. And he hasn't said that that book you want to read is bad or good. That's probably obvious to all of us. We know that there are verses listing all the albums and songs and whatnot are good or bad. But God has laid out principally what is good and what is bad. And when we listen to those things and when we read those things in scripture we don't get to have a kind of so when I was a kid some of my favorite books were these silly books that came out a little before I was old enough to read they were called Goosebumps do you guys remember those books there's about 3,000 of them they, a guy wrote one like every week it seemed like <laughs> but I think he, as he kind of ran out of ideas he started doing these like create your own story books where like if you wanted him to turn left or turn right, you turn to this page or that page. You guys are familiar with that kind of concept? So with Scripture, it isn't as if when we get to what is good and bad, we decide, and if we want to, we can turn to page 27 or 29, depending on what we decide we want the character or God to believe, right? God says, these are the things principally that are good and true, and these are the things that are bad and false, Right? We don't get to choose our own adventure, per se, when we're understanding those things. God is the one who deems what is okay and what is not okay. And we have to understand that. It's not for us to decide. So to say media is good or bad is really supplanting God and the morals that we try to live by. Um, again, this is, you know, we could illustrate with the same points in history with Israel, the women they pursued, and ultimately that led them to idolatry. God said that that was not a good thing for them to do. They weren't to marry these women, and they seemed to say, hey, it's not a big deal, God. It's okay for us to do this. And ultimately, we saw where that led them. I mean, turn to Philippians chapter 4. Richard was just reading there, and he was focused on kind of on a different aspect of Philippians chapter 4. But if you look in verse 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. We might extend that. I think all of us understand that those are just principles, right? I mean, if something qualifies itself by these principles, we understand, hey, that thing must be good, right? 
Alternately, if it doesn't qualify itself by these principles, we could say that that thing must be bad or at least unworthy of my time, even if for some reason we're unwilling to say it's bad. It's not something that I should be giving myself to, right? Spending time, we might say it that way. So God has laid down principles for us, and I think these principles can apply to our media, right? If I'm reading a book and it doesn't hold true to these kinds of principles, then what sense do I have to be reading it? You know, it's ultimately going to be at best a waste of my time, right? But God says, focus on these things. If something is of these things in verse 8, he ultimately boils it down by saying, think about them, dwell on them, spend time in them. Certainly, that requires some discretion on our part. And that requires some wisdom on our part. And I'm not downplaying our ability to discern. But really, this question is not a total discernment on our part. The morals are not true or false based on our discernment. We're just trying to figure out how to apply the morals, right? And that's really the difference, I think, in this. Is I'm not saying, oh, it's okay for something to be impure, or for something to be unjust, or for something to be, as it says in this, uh, I don't know what the opposite of lovely is at the top of my mind, but, you know, I'm not saying that the opposite of these things are okay. I'm trying to figure out how to apply and discern with these. I think that's the important distinction we can make in our lives. So, so the first point was, we tell ourselves that it won't affect us us with our media that's subjective and that's calling jesus a liar the second point is we tell ourselves that's not that bad really that's not for our discernment god has told us what's good and bad and um we are to listen to him on those things and try to apply those things first corinthians or first thessalonians 5 uh, verses 21 through 22 uh, we're going to turn here again later uh but if you want to look at this real quick i'll just read it just to re-emphasize the same point that i think Philippians 4, 8 is making. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 21 and 22. Beginning of verse 20. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now, in the context, this is prophecies, but I think the principle is true, right? Like, things need to be tested. You know, we need to hold something up against what God says, in a sense, test it and say, is this thing good or is it bad? You know, if I, if I begin reading a book, I have no idea about the book and my every intention is to not involve myself with something that I feel is against God's principles. And I start reading it and I say, hang on a minute, I can step back and test it again. Say, so, you know what, this book isn't really holding true to the principles God has laid out. You know, maybe I should give it up. Or, if it is, I can step back and say, alright, this is actually turning out to be okay. It's holding true to whatever is lovely, whatever is pure. I'm, I can continue involving myself with this. First, First Thessalonians 5 emphasizes that again. We need to be testing things to see if they're true to what God says, not to what we decide is true. And the last point, the one that I probably will spend a little more time on, um, is... We don't see the real problem behind um, the decisions we make regarding the media we consume. And that, that real problem is our media can reflect 
really a disloyalty to God. Um, you know, I think media is one of those things that if we're not really thoughtful about, and if we're not really trying in our lives to pay attention to, to being a godly person, to reflecting Jesus in our lives, don't really reflect the changes that we claim to have made in our lives. You know, I feel that was probably one of the last things I changed about my life as far as being a follower of God was the music I listened to and the movies I watched and the books I read. If I read books, I wasn't a big reader. That was probably the last little corner of my life that changed because it was the things I enjoyed the most. And for some reason, there was a disconnect in my brain about like worshiping and believing and then listening to music and watching movies. For some reason, for me, that connection just wasn't real clear for a long time. But really, I think we can kind of get a sense of who somebody really is and where the loyalties lie by seeing what kind of movies and music they watch and listen to and the books they read. Because maybe for other people, it's kind of that last little corner of their life that they refuse to change or just haven't thought about changing. Uh, and really, I think, reflects our loyalty. Is my loyalty to myself and what my interests are and what I deem is right and wrong? Or is it to God and what he deems is good for me or what's hurtful for me? Um, and I appreciate Chuck reading for, for us this morning. I think Psalm 101 really reflects this concept pretty clearly. If you want to turn back there, we won't read it again, but I will kind of break down the psalm. And this is one of the points that my friend made when he went through this lesson with Psalm 101 and really opened my eyes to this passage. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. But I love what David writes about the things he's willing to take part in, the things that he'll even say are okay, and the things that he's willing to kind of put in front of himself to look at. Um, beginning in verse 1, and I'll just kind of break it down in sections. Verses 1 and 2, if you read that over in your mind, really David is saying, I'm going to focus on God in verses 1 and 2. I'm going to focus on God and only God. Verses 3 and 4 say, and I'm not going to get distracted from God. I'm not going to let something pull me left or right or up or down. God, and I'm staying focused on God. In verses 5 through 8, it's a commitment of David's. Not only to focus on God and not be distracted by, God, uh, by other things from God, but in fact he makes a commitment to hate and destroy wickedness. And love purity. Kind of the end of that, that psalm. Just a really powerful psalm. And I think reflects kind of the commitment or the loyalty we need to have to God. We say, you know what God? I'm going to be focused only on you and what you want and what you decide. And I'm not going to let, you know, in this application media. I'm not going to let these other things seemingly distract me from who you are. Right? Look at verse 3 specifically of this psalm. I love this verse. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. Are you able to say that about the books you read and the movies you watch and the music you listen to, in a sense, right? Set before my eyes. Really, the idea is David's not participating in anything that has no worth to God, right? Now, that's not to say, you know, just because it's not some dissertation on religious theology, it's not worthful, 
worth it to God or it's not worthy of your time. I'm not trying to say that. But is it going to offend your loyalty to God to participate in that thing? Is it going to be a front to his character or your commitment to him to be joined to that thing for whatever time it is you're joined to it? Is it going to stand as a testament against godliness if somebody sees you with that thing? We have to ask ourselves these questions. Um, I think Psalm 101 points that out pretty clearly to us. Um, You know, David is the man who, in Acts chapter, was it 16? Or 13, Acts chapter 13. That's referred to as a man after God's own heart. And he's the guy that wrote this psalm. So I think an extrapolation of this is if we want to be after God's own heart, we need to think the way David thought about this. Um, I think Psalm 101 stands as kind of a testament to that. All right. So the question is, if you feel that in your life, you have some of this bad media going on, you have some bad music, you have some bad movies, you have some bad books, what, what am I supposed to do about that? Well, I think the simple answer is just stop, right? Stop watching those movies and stop listening to that music and stop going to those concerts and stop reading those books. But I think one really great example for us is in Acts 19. Acts 19. So what do I do with all the bad media in my life? You know, what, you know, I'm speaking for some abstract person maybe listening. What am I going to do with all this bad media in life? I get it. I get it. There's some things that I've been participating with that don't line up with the principles God's laying out. They, in fact, they kind of pull me away from God if I'm being honest about it. So what do I do with this stuff? Well, I think Acts 19 is a great example, specifically of media, how to, how to respond to bad media. Uh, Acts chapter 19, verse 18. Acts 19, verse 18. Also, many of those who are now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. You know, in this context, some people had learned the message of Jesus' death and resurrection. In fact, the text says they had become believers, right? Well, unfortunately... For those believers, their livelihood was centered around magic. We might think of it more commonly today. We might think of this kind of magic as like dark arts or something, sorcery, you know, that kind of magic. Well, when they became believers, they recognized that their, their practice in sorcery and their belief in God didn't really line up. They couldn't have both. And so... Yeah, they probably needed to change their lives, right? But they also had some books that were left over. You know, they said, oh man, these books, they go against things God taught. What do they do with them? I think it's really uh, startling that they they didn't just like sell them. They didn't just like get rid of them or whatever. They burned them up, right? I just think about what this means for us, you know. Uh, I'm not saying we have to burn our books, that we don't like or that we find are inappropriate. 
you know, as we analyze our lives and we see, hey, this book wasn't a good book. But what I am saying is our response to that thing needs to be stark, right? It needs to, we need to get it out. And we don't need to dilly-dally. And I think one thing that's interesting about burning the books is they couldn't go back to them, right? They made it impossible for in a weak moment to go back to that thing, right? And I think that stands out to me. And another thing is, did you notice the cost of these books? They weren't cheap books. And I think that illustrates that they were willing to do whatever, even if it costed a lot to them personally, to get rid of that stuff. And they had made significant investment in their books of magic and sorcery. But it didn't stop them from committing to get it out of their life. And I think we need to apply some of these principles for ourselves. Um, I know, what was it? It was, like, it was like four years ago, five years ago. I was in college when I kind of had this awakening to like, wow, I'm listening to a lot of bad stuff and watching a lot of movies I probably shouldn't have because for some reason I'd never made that connection in my brain. And so I thought, ah, I should probably do something about that. And I let it sit for a while, and I think a year went by before I ever thought about it again. Right? Just if I didn't act right then, it was just the thought was gone, and I didn't worry about it. I think it was like a year later that I heard my friend present basically the same kind of lesson. And I just thought, ah, I remember a year ago I thought that, and I needed to do it. And it was Acts 19 that really got me to do something. It was like, wow, I need to do something right now. And so the moment I got home, you know, I went, and this is just me. You may have whatever you do for this, but I went through my iTunes, and any song I knew wasn't good, I went ahead and deleted it right then and there. But then I literally was like, I kept a running list. Like, as I shuffled through my songs, listening and stuff, if something came up that I had forgotten about, deleted it right then. And I just made a commitment that if any song was like that, I deleted it. And I purged movies, and I did all this stuff. And I remember thinking, because I remember reading Acts 19 while I was doing it, and I remember thinking, I'm going to count up the cost that I spent on all these songs and be like, this is what I sacrificed. It was like $25 or something. <laughs> you know, it was nothing, right? But I remember thinking, like, that's cool. Like, not only did I get that stuff out of my life, you know, it cost me something to get it out. And I felt good about it. You know, it was kind of a silly thing to take pride in. I don't want to say I was, you know, I hope I wasn't haughty about it, but I felt good about, you know what, I paid a price for doing the right thing. And so I think we can look at Acts 19 and we can say, you know what, I need to get this media out of my life, and if it costs me something, so be it. That's what it needs to cost me. You know, we often quote David as saying that he would not sacrifice anything to the Lord that did not cost him something. I think that's the mentality we need to carry even when we're thinking about the media that we need to get rid of in our lives. The last passage I want us to look at, just final thoughts. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Again, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Picking up where we left off the last time in verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. You know, there's this idea of needing to make ourselves pure and clean all the way through. Sanctify ourselves completely. 
And I think media is a part of that, right? I mean, it's a part of the greater picture. Media is a part of our lives that we need to sanctify and set apart, right? I mean, if it's, it's involved with my life, my life needs to change, so that needs to change, right? And if media is a part of your life, it needs to change appropriately. Did you know something about these verses that who, who is doing the sanctifying? Apparently, the God of peace himself will sanctify you completely. And it says in verse 24, he who calls you is faithful, he will do it. That's the nice thing about God is if we really commit to being somebody different, it's not God's end of the bargain that won't hold up. It's always ours, right? So God is faithful to cleanse us and sanctify us if we're willing to commit to that and allow ourselves to be sanctified. So I hope this lesson was encouraging. I think, I mean, even though I was doing this lesson on these, this series on reflecting godliness, I think this particular lesson um, is more for me than for anybody else. But if this lesson's helpful for you and prince presents something that you're struggling with, um, let us know this morning. I mean, there's more things that we can do to encourage each other than just listen for 30 minutes about somebody talk about it, right? We can encourage each other. We can help each other with that. Uh, if you're not sure if there's media in your life that's bad or good, maybe other people can kind of give you some advice or some wisdom that helps you figure that out, some passages to turn to. It's just something that I feel like really plagues us as Christians, this disconnect between movies and books and music and the things that we take in and then what we profess to believe in. And so I think it's something I needed to hear. So if anyone has trouble with that and wants prayers or help, you can let us know. Otherwise... Robin's going to lead us in the song. 423.